0: When Jesus teaches us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, he basically teaches us to ask for four things the will of God, here with us, daily bread, which has taken to mean physical bread, or the Word of God, depending, both of which are necessities, God's forgiveness, which seems to be a path for us to forgive others, distance from temptation slash deliverance from evil, which in many ways seems to be two sides of the same coin. If we are going to make requests of God, those are things we need to be seeking, at least according to Jesus. And never forget, everything that is worth seeking, we do at the feet of of Jesus. We sit at the feet of Jesus. So hold that thought and let's go exploring in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have a Bible or a phone or a Kindle or an iPad or whatever it is you have, um, open, find your way to Matthew 6, and we'd like to read three passages and be nice to have them in front of you. So the first one, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, will sound familiar, uh, but this is the Lord's Prayer as it's recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. It's, uh, it's, It's a little shorter than what we are used to praying, but the elements are all there. So here's Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, Pray therefore in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. I read a quote this week from Gandhi that overlapped with time in the Lord's Prayer. There are people in the world so hungry that God cannot appear to them except in the form of bread. I know... That when Jesus says, Give us this day our daily bread, many of us have the luxury, the privilege of being able to say, Well, what Jesus is saying there is talking about the bread of Scripture, our daily bread. It's a metaphor. Still think for the majority of people in the world who hear this passage, and probably a lot of the people who heard Jesus say it originally, it was not metaphor. It was not a comparison. It wasn't an ideal. It was bread. Bread, bread. Food. Because they were hungry. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus even says such a thing. But if you were hungry and you were thirsty, really hungry and really thirsty, and you get something to eat, you almost without exception will give thanks to God for this gift that so many of us day to day take for granted. And so I wonder how many things in our lives especially after spending some time in the Lord's Prayer, should we go throughout our days just thinking and acting on God's presence in our lives? Here's chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who if your child asks for bread will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish will give a snake? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. This seems to be a follow-up to the Lord's Prayer. All the talk about bread and asking God and talking to God and being with God. But it strikes me that sometimes a passage like this, whether we hear other people doing it or sometimes in our daily lives, we get to reading these kinds of things as, well, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Whatever you ask for. I don't think that's what's going on here seems to be a direct response to the way Jesus taught us to ask in the Lord's Prayer. What is Jesus teaching us to ask for? Ask, and you shall receive. Well, what are we supposed to ask for? The will of God. Ask for the will of God, you receive the will of God. Ask for daily bread, you get the the daily bread. Ask that God not bring us close to temptation. God delivers us from evil. I know God, but there's this new pair of boots we really, really like. See, how, see the difference? Those are just two very different worlds. We get, you know, uh, an array of people come to the office door uh, during the week asking for things. Um, sometimes we get people calling the office uh, asking how much we charge to teach driving driving lessons because for whatever reason because in the name of our place is the word drive they think we give driving lessons and so Leah very diplomatically says well we don't teach driving lessons and then people come to the door ask for all sorts of things one time we had someone this guy I mean, at least he was telling the truth. Said, um, I, I need $60. That's a very specific number. What do you need $60 for? What's, what's the. Well, Nordstrom's is having a sale, and I really like this, this pair of shoes. <laughs> okay, it's like, um, no. So, just daily bread, will of God, temptation, shoes at Nordstrom's. Ask for the things of God, not the things of this world. Now, please don't get me wrong and hear me out on this. I'm all for in this place in our classrooms, in our homes, hand-in-hand with one another here, all for praying for the sick. I think it's a wonderful activity of Christian community that we pray for one another, that we take those we love who are ill and we set them before God. Fantastic. But sometimes... A lot of our prayer focuses on our illness. When the way Jesus taught us to pray is ask for the will of God, which includes praying for healing. But how much of what we do in this place is praying for the will of God? Give us this day our daily bread. You know why I think we don't pray a lot for, give us this day our daily bread? So we have plenty of daily bread. You know? But Jesus is saying, ask and you will receive. But ask for the things of God. Be careful to spend your time asking for the things of God. So how much in our individual lives, in the life of this church that we pray before God is going before God and saying, We want you, you, your things. Let us pray for the will of God and for the things of God, and then just the whole deal after the ask and seek, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, which informs the end of the sermon. And this is seven twenty-four through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The ultimate will of God is to put the Sermon on the Mount into practice in our daily lives. Take everything that Jesus says and put it into practice. Seek and then find. Hear and then do. Hearing is seeking. And when we find, it leads us to action. So, for this season of listening leading up to Easter, you may have noticed that we're following a set order of worship. We're going down throughout our time together on Sunday mornings and just following a pretty set order of worship. Very first thing that we do in worship during this season is welcoming each other. We welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. When we put that into practice, it informs everything we do, everything we say, everything we are in this place together. Then what we're doing right now is proclaiming the story. We're telling the story. This is one of the absolute most important things that defines Christian worship, whether it's proclaiming the story at the table, proclaiming the story in prayer. However, whatever form it takes on, this is what we are doing We are proclaiming the story together. Then we go to the death of Jesus. We listen, and then we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. But a lot of time during this season, and because we are such a table-centered tradition, we don't spend a lot of time just celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. In a lot of traditions during this season leading up to Easter, they consider every single Sunday Easter Sunday, that every Sunday is an ongoing celebration of the living Jesus among us, that every Sunday that we come together is a celebration of the resurrection, that we celebrate the living Jesus together. But it also informs our kind of lives that we live as people of the resurrection, which Then leads to the last part, sending us out. Sending us out into the world as people of Jesus by his welcome, by his story, by his life and death, and who we are as people of the living Jesus. In order to send, in order for us to go out from this place, we first have to gather. We first have to gather together was thinking this week about a Sunday morning somewhere around 1991-1992 in Noodle, Texas. This little church that gathered together in the name of Jesus. This one particular Sunday morning, it had to have been January or February because it was about 20 degrees. And if you've ever been in a West Texas church that has nothing to block the wind, and the church is made out of cinder blocks and concrete floors and wooden pews, you know that when you walk into that church when it's 20 degrees, it's not exactly the most comfortable setting in which to gather in the name of Jesus. In fact, that morning, there were five of us there. And that included Jennifer and I. (laughs) So it was Jennifer and I and Mary, who was always there, and Ev Lois and her husband Ulan. And the, the building was laid out much like ours. You know, you have a section over here, section over here, rows that go all the way back, middle aisle. Well, at this side of the building... Uh, about right here was a space heater, a gas space heater. Uh, Jen and I had one in our house uh, not too long after we were married. We had a space heater in the living room and a space heater in the bathroom that you you light the match, light, turn it on, here comes the fire. And we would try to bribe each other to wake up in the morning and go turn on the heater. The only problem was we didn't have any money, so you know it's like I'll give you $5. Why do you have $5 to bribe each other? So it's like I'll do the dishes by myself tonight. So it's that kind of space heater. Okay? So here's this space heater. It's the only source of heat in the Noodle Church of Christ. You know, it gives about half the size of this room, but no carpet, Nothing. it's just right up there. So the five of us are worshiping God and we're all sitting on the front row in front of the space heater and Mary had brought crocheted blankets with her so the four of them are here I'm standing up in front Uh, I led singing I served communion I preached said the opening prayer said the closing prayer all the stuff I just went over welcome proclamation, death of Jesus, celebrating the resurrection, and sending. It was a one-man show. So all the four, my four congregants are sitting on the front row. I'm standing up. The good news is, is that having to do all that work, I'm standing next to the heater. You know? So there's this pulpit that can move around, and I'm standing next to the heater. Um, and I remember, I, I remember this Sunday... I remember that Sunday at about halfway through the sermon, I lifted the pulpit and went and stood on the other side of the heater because this side felt like it was on fire and this side felt like it was freezing. So five of us in 1992... 20 degrees in Noodle, Texas, surrounded by cotton fields. Our church was across the street from a cotton gin that hadn't been in operation since the probably the early 80s. In front of the cotton gin was a refrigerator that was the post office boxes. Noodle, like you literally you open the refrigerator and you got your mail out and shut the fridge that Sunday morning with space heaters in a blanket and the five of us looking back on that there has never been a more important moment in the history of God's people than five people out in the middle of nowhere gathered in the name of Jesus, welcoming and proclaiming, living the death of Jesus, celebrating the resurrection, and sending one another out in the name of Jesus. So there's been plenty of times since then that were equally as important. Last Sunday, in this room, today, every time we gather from here on out. But All of these moments, all of these times that we spend together, when we are praying in the name of Jesus, asking for the things of God, when we ask knowing that we will receive the things of God because He's already promised that He would. And then when we put this stuff into practice, day in and day out. And then at the end of worship, back to here, you may have noticed that at the end of worship during this season, we're singing a verse of God be with you. You know the song, right? God be with you till we meet again, till we meet at Jesus' feet. You know, that song is not about death and heaven. It got, it got sung a lot through the years as a funeral song. We even had a few of you come up and say, oh yeah, they, they sang this song at my mother's funeral. But originally, it's not what this song was about. You know what it means to meet at someone's feet? You know what it is to sit at the feet of a rabbi? To sit at a rabbi's feet means to listen, to learn. During Jesus' time in the Greek-slash-Roman world, to listen and to learn at a teacher's feet meant to study in order to know why, but also to know how. Ultimately, it was about putting something into practice. Knowledge... For the sake of knowledge is useless. That was never what knowledge was supposed to be. When, even right before Jesus' time, when these academies started, that started training people in the ways of the world and the thinking of the world and the right way to think and all that sort of thing, it was always with the idea that you take what you learn and then you put it into practice. There is a reason that Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount ends with the notion of take everything that you've heard and put them into practice. Take these ideas, put them into practice, ask. But don't think of asking as just something that, well, we learned how to ask today. No, learn how to ask, but then ask. Go ask God. Ask God for the things of God. Not for the things of this world, but put these things into practice. That's why Jesus said, if you hear the Sermon on the Mount and you don't actually put these things into practice, you're building, you're not even building a house. It's it's an imaginary house. Meeting at Jesus' feet means us coming together again to listen to Jesus. And that's what we're doing during this season. For today... That means listening to Jesus, but then putting all of this into practice. And that's, that should keep us busy for the next week. At least until next time when we are together, when we meet at Jesus' feet. Amen.